0: give you peace In this episode we begin a new series of studies from the book of 1 Thessalonians If you have a Bible turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and follow along while I read Paul Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ grace to you and peace For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raises from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This opening chapter is relatively short, but it is an amazing introduction to a group of people that Paul only knew for a short time. If you go back, to uh, the book of Acts, we see in chapter fifteen that Paul meets Sylvanus. Uh, his shortened version of his name is Silas, and in chapter sixteen of Acts, Paul meets Timothy and, and these three go on to travel together and they come to a town called Thessalonica. They ended up staying there for about three weeks before the Jews in the city formed a mob and ran them out of town and uh, a- after a couple of stops, they split up. Timothy ends up going to check on the Thessalonians and comes back and gives a report, probably in Corinth, where Paul writes this letter after hearing back from Timothy. As he writes this letter, we tend to divide it up into chapters and verses in a way that may make us lose sight of the fact that this was a personal letter written to a group of people that he he had affection for. And it seems the primary theme of this letter is you guys are doing great. Just keep it up. We have to remember that this was a a, a church that Paul only had three weeks with as he started it, and they were left without his leadership. Paul was sending people back to them and keeping up, but they were doing an amazing job of being good examples of what it meant to be a church uh, that belonged to God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in this, in his affirmation of this church, I think we can start to see the things that Paul said made them a good example, and thereby we can learn as individual Christians and as communities of believers to be examples for those who are outside of Christ who may be longing for something in their lives. We have to first look at the example that Paul sets for the Thessalonians because it says in this text that they became imitators of him. And just in a few verses here, we see some remarkable expressions of his own caring, concern uh, for the Thessalonians. I think in the very first verse where uh, his first thoughts are to extend grace and peace to these people uh, should be an example for us. We should want God's grace and peace for other people. Unfortunately, I think there are times when we are playing the role of judge, deciding who deserves that grace and peace. And we withhold it from people for whom we think they would abuse it or wouldn't appreciate it or or may hurt us in the process. Um, But we should want God's grace and peace. Peace for everyone else, even if they are our enemies. We also have an example here from Paul uh, to be grateful. We should always be grateful for the people that he puts in our lives. Paul says he was always giving thanks to God for these people in Thessalonica. Paul also sets an example by dwelling on his blessings rather than what's missing. Paul could have dwelt on the fact, well, I'm on the run and, you know, I got run out of town and I didn't get to stay there as long as I wanted to and I hope everything's okay. That wasn't where he spent his time. He said he remembered before God their. work of faith, their labor of love, their steadfastness of hope in the Lord. He dwelt on the blessing that other people had brought to his life. He wasn't focused on what was missing. He was grateful for what they meant to him. He had a life that was worthy of imitation, and he thanked the Thessalonians for imitating him because together they were both imitating Christ. So what is this example that the Thessalonians give us? What can we learn from them? One of the first things we notice in this chapter is that uh, the Thessalonians had received the word that Paul had brought to them, the gospel message. These were people who responded to sound teaching. That word sound uh, shows up in scripture and refers to the healthiness of the teaching. These people responded to healthy teaching. Unfortunately, often in our time, people respond to very unhealthy teaching. They try to survive on a diet of junk food. But Paul commends them for responding to what he brought them, uh, not only in word but in power. And, And they responded to that healthy teaching. They were willing to put what they had heard to the test and examine Paul as a a messenger, and he had to prove himself to them. They put that to the test, and in being committed to this word, they imitated Christ. But there were three things specifically that Paul mentions here that are worthy of our imitation. First, these folks in Thessalonica had a faith that worked. Remember verse 3 that he remembered before God, your work of faith. Too often, uh, we imagine that faith is something that only happens in our head. But in this place and others, we see that faith is something that works, that is active. And, And I often define faith as Trusting God enough to do what he says. When Paul presented to them the gospel message, and it was obvious that it required a response, they acted on that. When they were told how they should behave, that's what they did. When it was described to them the difference that this trust would make in their lives, they lived up to that standard. They had a faith that worked. And in doing so, they imitated Jesus. Jesus. And we're told that they imitated Jesus in the middle of trials. They received this gospel while there was persecution. You can go back again to Acts chapter 17 and see uh, the mob of Jewish people who were uh, causing problems for Christians in that town. And it was in the middle of this upheaval that the church was born there. and, And they received that and remained faithful. Their faith was working even in the midst of struggles. It's interesting to see these people who are facing actual persecution, remaining faithful when oftentimes in our own country, we're guilty of abandoning faith when it becomes unpopular or inconvenient. We don't always stick to it. We don't always make a stand for what's right. We often give in to the temptation of going along with the crowd. But the Thessalonians had their faith at work in the middle of trials. We're also told that uh, they undertook this work uh, with great joy that came to them from the Spirit. And this was a faith that grew and spread. It, It was getting around. People were knowing about it faster than Paul and Timothy and Silas could travel. They were getting to places and telling people where they had just come from. And they were saying, oh, yeah, we heard how great they were. Their faith grew and spread a faith that grows and spreads even in the midst of trials and can be done with great joy that comes from the Spirit, that is a faith worthy of imitation. They had a faith that worked. We're also told that they had a love that worked. He said that he remembered their labor of love. Again, uh, imitating Jesus in the way that they loved one another. It was not just an emotion, something they felt about someone else. It had to do with the kindness that they showed other people and the way that they acted toward others and the way they treated other people. People they knew, people they didn't know, people they liked, people who did not like them. Uh, The way that their love worked in their community was an imitation of Jesus's. And we're told in verse 9 that Paul had received messages about the way that they received other people. Very often, we put people to a test, and if they pass our test, we'll receive them. But uh, we don't get the sense that the Thessalonians were doing that. They were open to all comers and giving them whatever that they had that would draw them closer to Jesus. They had a love that worked. And because of that, they became examples to all other Christians. But he mentions one other thing here. He mentions that they had a hope that works. Uh, the, The steadfastness of hope. I think it's important for us to realize what hope really is, because I hear a lot of people misusing that word. Sometimes that word gets used almost like our English word wish. Uh, I hope it doesn't rain today, even though the rain forecast is for 100% chance of rain. That's not expecting it not to rain. That's crossing fingers and, and wishing that the rain wouldn't come. Hope is knowing that something is going to happen knowing it deeply and knowing it so deeply that you eagerly anticipate it and your actions and your attitudes reflect that you know that it's coming. You prepare yourself for that eventuality. Again, in this, they're imitating Jesus and having a hope that works. And because of that, in verse 10, we're told that they were waiting on the sun to come from heaven. Who had been raised from the dead and would deliver them from the wrath to come. They were acting in a way that was consistent with knowing that Jesus was coming back. It hadn't happened yet, but they knew it was going to happen, and so their behavior reflected that. They had hope. See, our problem is often that we think waiting on the Lord is something that's passive, but when Scripture tells us to wait on the Lord. It doesn't describe uh, something inactive or passive. It basically tells us that we need to keep doing what the Lord has sent us here to do until he says stop, Uh, until God takes us home. We should keep doing what He wants. That's what waiting on the Lord is. We take the instructions we have, and we just keep doing those. And some days it doesn't seem like we're making much progress, and some days we wonder why, or some days we wonder if we're making any difference at all. But ultimately what God has told us to do is be busy in His kingdom, doing the things that share His grace and mercy with others. As we do that, we need to continue. We need to hold on to the hope that we have, knowing that Jesus is returning and he expects us to be at work in his kingdom when he does. See, this kind of behavior reflects an assurance of the resurrection. We know that we are going to be raised from the dead, and so we want to be ready for that judgment that follows. We want to be able to say, Lord, we were faithful. Lord, we trusted what you said enough to do it. We're told the people who have faith like Abraham will be rewarded. We're told that when the Lord returns, we should be ready. We're told that we should wait on the Lord. And in all of those things, what we see is a picture of being busy doing the things he's given us to do, sharing his grace, mercy, and love with others until he returns i also think it's interesting as paul points out the things that he saw in them that were important it's the same things that he points out to the church in corinth that live on forever he he didn't talk about how big a bu- church building they had built how big their uh, church budget was how many pastors they had on staff he didn't mention any of those things he talked about their faith hope and love in Corinth at the end of chapter 13 he tells the people receiving that letter these three things remain abide live on faith hope and love and the greatest of those is love we need to make sure that we're investing ourselves in the things that matter that continue that are real that give us an opportunity to imitate Jesus. We need to respond to sound teaching. We need to have a faith that works, a love that works, and a hope that works. Thank you for listening. You can find more of these messages on our website, calerachurchofchrist.org, or subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter.